Now I ask that everybody take their Bibles, please, and let us turn to the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1. And our text is found in verse 33. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. When I started in the fall this series of messages on the patriarch Jacob, I indicated that it was my plan to just preach right straight through in this series until we had completed Jacob, similar to our presentation of Moses last year during this same period. And someone asked me, says, Dr. McIntyre, what are you going to do when you get to Christmas? Are you going to let up on Jacob? I says, no, we'll just go right straight through. Be no problem. And here I found a text on Jacob in the Annunciation. When Gabriel came to Mary to announce to her that she would be the mother of the Son of God, we read that the angel said, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Beloved, we're never going to get finished with Jacob. We are related to Jacob. We too belong to the sons of Jacob. We are the spiritual sons, and we too partake of the covenant promises and all that God has promised to do for Israel. And when we come to the Christmas season and we think of the birth of our Savior, we must remember that all that he did there relates to everything in God's purpose and plan for his people. The throne of David, yes, he'll sit on that throne, but the house of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and here are the sons of Jacob, the twelve tribes of Jacob, and all down through the generations, the house of Jacob, he shall reign over the house of Jacob, and his place of authority and his rule in this realm will last for all eternity. It will be forever. Now, in my outlines of the experience which Jacob had, We've been concerned about his family problems. He had trouble with his brother. He had to flee. He had trouble getting himself a wife. He had to work 14 years instead of seven. He had trouble with his father-in-law. And Jacob's life, in a sense, is built around the troubles he had. And last week we saw how God changed his name to Israel and the struggle that he had, how God wrestled with him, and Jacob would not let him go. And when God saw that in the inner recess of Jacob's soul there was this cry, I will not let thee go except thou bless me, God knew that down in the inner recesses of this man's soul there was this pure love for God and a desire to serve him. And when God sees that in any man, God will undertake and God will bless. We talked about the prayer of Jacob, and it was a true and earnest evangelical prayer that he prayed. And Jacob is our father. 
He believed, he trusted, he knew there would be a seed and that this seed would be the Messiah and that there would come out of Jacob a deliverer and that this deliverer would indeed be the great and the glorious Lord of hosts. Now in taking this phrase from the Annunciation, he shall reign over the house of Jacob, we could turn through the entire Old Testament in fact, from the days of Jacob on down, you have the house of Jacob and all of its problems and its troubles. But I thought for our edification today, we'd do something we've never attempted before. It's in the prophecies of Isaiah that you have these references that stand out so beautifully for us today. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Isaiah 7:14. Isaiah 9, 6, 6, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And just as soon as that's ended, you have this reference to the house of Jacob. It's in Isaiah that you have in the 11th chapter and in the first few verses a root, a stem out of Jesse. And you have this glorious reference to the one who's going to reign and there shall be no end to his rule. Isaiah has in it these magnificent passages at this time. But beloved, when you take the great prophecy of Isaiah as a whole and hold it together, you find running through it this tremendous emphasis upon the house of Jacob and what God is going to do in all the fullness of his grace for this house of Jacob. Now I propose to just take the book of Isaiah with you. Will you turn with me to the very second chapter of the prophecies of Isaiah? And let's see how all of this relates to what God has to say about he shall rule over the house of Jacob forever. And in the second chapter, beginning with the third verse, we read, and many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And here you have in the opening of the prophecy of Isaiah this magnificent prediction of that great day when the little babe of Bethlehem will indeed rule over the house of Jacob, there will be peace here among the earth, and nations shall beat their swords into plowshare, and as the one who's reigning over Jacob, our Savior will be here, and he shall judge among the nations. All right, turn over, if you will, now to the eighth chapter of the prophecy of Isaiah. And in the eighth chapter you find beginning with the uh, 13th verse, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread 
and ye shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. This is Christ, you see. To both the houses of Israel for again and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. That is, they're going to reject their Messiah. They'll refuse to believe the testimony. Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob. And I will look to him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel and for the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And here the prophet is indicating that there will be a rock of offense, there will be a stumbling stone, and there will be those who will refuse to believe and accept and receive the Messiah, and they shall stumble, they'll fall, they'll be broken, they'll be snared, they'll be taken. And that's exactly what happened. And then the prophet goes on and says that I'll wait for the Lord who hideth his face from the house of Jacob. God's face is turned away because of the sins of Israel and the sins of the house of Jacob. Turn please to the ninth chapter. And in the ninth chapter you have that passage to which I have just spoken. Beginning with verse 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, the Lord sent his word unto Jacob, and it hath lighted upon Israel. Now please turn to chapter 10 in the 20th verse. And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel and such as are escaped of the house of Jacob shall no more stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. In truth, the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto thee, my God. He says there will be a remnant that will come, and they will return. And beloved, when I get into passages like this in the prophecies of Isaiah, you can understand that it was in such portions of scriptures as these that the Apostle Paul was able to take the truth and weave it together and bring out Romans 9, 10, and 11, where they're not all Israel who are of Israel. He makes a difference between the physical Israel and the spiritual Israel, and he ties us in with the great covenant privileges and promises, and we're the wild olive branch that has been grafted in, and we are partakers of these blessings of Abraham. And here as you move into Isaiah, the prophet was outlining for the future the fact that there would be a remnant, there would be a faithful remnant that would believe and that God would use them. And it's out of this faithful remnant that this Savior of ours has come. And it's out of this faithful remnant that in the latter days that our Savior is going to appear in the second time and which then Israel will recognize him as their Messiah. But notice that 20th verse of that 10th chapter, the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto thee, mighty God. 
For through thy people, for though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consummation decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, O my people, that dwelleth in Zion, be not afraid of the Assyrians. God says, I'm going to take care of you people. I'm going to be with you people. Now turn to chapter 14, verse 1. Our Savior is going to reign over the house of Jacob forever, and that's what the angel said to Mary. Now verse 1. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them, and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. And the people shall take them and bring them into their place, and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for servants and handmaids, and they shall take them captives whose captives they were, and they shall rule over their oppressed heart. Then turn over to chapter 27. See these references to the house of Jacob and how God's going to exalt it after these times of Jacob's trouble. But in the 27th chapter, you have another section here, beginning, uh, please, with verse 6. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root, Israel shall blossom and bud, and fill the face of the world with fruit. Hath he smitten him as he smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? And then we move down to verse 9. By this therefore shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin, when he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder. The groves and images shall not stand up. God's going to return to Jacob, and God's going to bless his land. They're going to remove their idols and all their idolatry and all that they've done to turn aside to these false religions. Now turn to chapter 29. Chapter 29, beginning with verse 22. Therefore thus saith the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children the work of mine hands in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name, and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. Turn now, please, over to chapter 40 of Isaiah. I'm going to build this all through this prophecy, this magnificent setting, and undoubtedly this is what Paul saw, this is what the prophet had in mind, and this is exactly what you find in the text as the angel announced unto Mary that uh, our Savior would rule over the house of Jacob forever. Chapter 40, verse 27. What sayest thou, O Jacob? And speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from God. 
And here's the answer. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Israel, Jacob, don't you say that your way can be hidden from the Lord. In fact, it is exactly the opposite. God knows and understands everything. Nothing can be hidden from him. And if you will come and trust him, he'll take those who are weary and are faint and he'll give you strength and you'll mount up like the wings of the eagles. That's what God will do for you. The one lesson that we're seeing as we run through these passages of Scripture in relation to this great promise at the Annunciation is that God's people must depend upon God for their strength and that God's people must understand that it is impossible to hide. There's nothing hidden that shall not be uncovered. Nothing hidden that shall not be uncovered and that we shall not be called upon to give an account thereof in this day of judgment. And beloved, that's why in an hour like this, if there's sin, confess it and make it right with God. Don't hide it. He that covereth his sins will not prosper. But he that confesses his sin and openly comes to God in mercy, he will find pardon at the hands of the Almighty God. And beloved, at this Christmas time, when I'm speaking to you about God's dealing with the house of Jacob, he deals with you, he deals with me, he deals with every one of us identically the same way. And this is the time to come and confess your sins to God and ask him to pardon you. He will abundantly pardon. His blood will cleanse. His grace will justify. His power will sanctify and give to us a new nature and a new beginning. Well, let's turn over to chapter 41. Notice verse 8. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and called thee from the chief men thereof, and said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, I am with thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God says, Jacob, why do you wonder? Why have you turned to aside to the idols of the Philistines? Why have you forsaken my law and my temple? Why have you turned away? Oh, Jacob, come, you can put your trust in me. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness, Jacob. I'll undergird you, Jacob. I'll be with you. And beloved, when you see these promises given to Jacob, as Jacob believes, they are promises on which you and I also can stand. 
They're promises to which you and I may also appeal because we too are a part of the great remnant according to the election of grace in these last days who are heirs of these mighty promises of grace. Well, would you like to turn now over to chapter 43? Chapter 43, verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord, the God that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. And through the rivers, though they shall not overflow thee, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. God's crying out, O Jacob, O Israel, I am your Savior. Why don't you come to me? Beloved, when I come to a place like this, in the prophecies of Isaiah, my heart burns and I says, what, what, what is wrong with the people today? The same thing that was wrong with them then. Same identical thing. What is wrong with you people who call yourselves Christians and go out and play with the world and enjoy the lust of the flesh? What's wrong with you people who've taken upon yourself the name of Jesus Christ and have your name on the rolls of the churches and you never show up except at Christmas time and Easter? What's wrong with you people who've called upon the God of Israel and you say, yes, I'm a Christian, I belong to the church, but we can't tell any difference between you and the ungodly and the way they live and the way they work and the way they go. And this is what the prophet is saying to Israel and to Jacob. Jacob, you know better. Jacob, you have a greater heritage. Jacob, these things have been given to you. And why is it that you wander off out there? Would you kindly tell me, beloved, what's wrong with the people of God today? They want beautiful churches. They want lovely lights on their churches. They want rugs on the floors. They want nice choirs. Most churches are even ready to pay their choir so they'll sing for them. And they want a preacher who'll stand up on Sunday in the pulpit and somebody who'll bury them and baptize their babies and look after their weddings. But the rest of the time they go and live the way they want to. This is the issue and this is exactly what the prophet is saying here to Jacob in this hour. And beloved, if we're going to be Christians at Christmas time, let's be the same kind of Christians every day in the year. Let's honor the name of the Lord that we've taken upon ourselves. He shall rule over the house of Jacob. Well, then let him rule over the house of Jacob today. Let him rule over our lives today. And he shall rule forever. Now will you turn please to chapter 44. And in the 44th chapter again we begin. Hear ye now, O Jacob, my servant, in Israel whom I have chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant. Just look at that. Turn down to verse 5. One shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call upon him by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of the Lord. Oh, beloved, we take the name of the Lord, 
we name our children, we name our houses, we put all these things about us. Well, then if we're going to do that, why don't we fill those names with the content? And why do not we give the testimony to those names? And, beloved, I blame the pulpits of this country. I blame the preachers who stand in these pulpits for not getting up and telling you people about your sins so that you can come face to face with what God is asking of us. We're living in dark days. We're living in days when the foundations are crumbling. We're living in days when you wonder if there's any truth left anymore. And in hours like that, we should be holding up the torch and the light and the truth. And we should be standing together as those who've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, how God spoke to Israel. My, how the prophet dealt with Israel in their sins. Oh, we're going to run into some more things. Let's keep going through the prophecies of Isaiah. Oh, Jacob, it runs all through this book. Now turn over to chapter 45. And in chapter 45, you come down to verse 4. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and for Israel, mine elect, I have called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee that thou hast not known me. Beloved, this is that great passage in Isaiah. Where long, long years before Cyrus uh, was born, Cyrus is named in one of these great predictive prophecies like Bethlehem, the town where Jesus would be born, like uh, the Mount of Olives where Jesus would return the second time. And here God is saying, Cyrus, I've called you by thy name so that Israel could believe that I knew and know all the future. And as I tell Israel what I'm going to do with them in the future when Cyrus arises on the stage and he is my servant and he fulfills my purposes in relation to Israel, you may believe, Israel, I tell you before it come to pass that when it comes to pass, ye might believe. And running all through the prophecy of Isaiah are these prophecies not only for their day or for the next hundred years or three hundred years or for seven hundred and fifty years as we come to the birth of Jesus Christ, but these prophecies continue on until the millennium and the return of Jesus Christ when these great things will be fulfilled and he shall reign over the house of Jacob here and it shall be forever. Chapter 46, verse 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even at your old age I am he, and even the whore hairs will I carry you. I have made you, and I will bear you, even I will carry you, and will deliver you. To whom will ye liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be like? Oh, God is saying, Israel, you're turning from me, and can you compare me to these images, and to these idols, and to these groves? Can you compare me to anything else that there is to be compared? Oh, Israel, behold your God! Look at the glory, and the magnificence, and the wisdom, and the power of the God of Jacob! Beloved, this is the God of Jacob who gave to us the babe in Bethlehem's manger and that little babe was born of the, born of the virgin in another of these great stupendous miracles indicating the intervention of the supernatural that we might be redeemed.
All right, turn over, if you will, a little further now to the 48th chapter. And we read that 48th chapter, and beloved, I, I probably just ought to stop and read it now, because here it is. Oh, how God's pleading with Jacob. Just look at this chapter. Hear ye this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth nor in righteousness. Israel, you are a house that's full of hypocrisy. Israel, you're not speaking in truth and you're not speaking in righteousness, but you have my name and you have everything that I've given you. And God is telling Israel to let her name, the name of the Lord in whom she calls, be honored by the truth in her midst and by the righteousness that she's seeking to maintain. But notice how he goes on in this 48th chapter. I have declared, verse 3, the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them. I did them suddenly, and they came to pass, because I knew that thou art obstinate. Did you know that some of you people in this church are obstinate? That's right, some of you are very obstinate. Oh, God says you're obstinate. We have a condition today of just plain willfulness and obstinacy. Look how God describes what he has to say about them here. And thy neck is an iron sinew, and they're like brass. You're not going to bend. You're not going to bow. You're not going to break to the ways of God. That's what he's saying. That's what he says to Jacob. Now notice, if you will, in verse 5. I have even from the beginning declared it unto thee. Before it came to pass, I showed it to thee, lest thou shouldest say, Mine idols have done them, and my graven image and my molten image hath commanded them. All this form of godliness which has laid hold upon us today, but it denies the power thereof. Beloved, let's be the kind of Christians who out of our heart and our soul we're living for Christ, we're serving the Lord in everything that we do. Let's be wholly committed to this one who's to rule over the house of Jacob forever. There is no middle ground. There is no discharge. There is no surrender. We have been bound to Jesus Christ. And he's ours for all eternity. And we have only one thing to do while we're here, and that's to serve him. That's to please him. That's to glorify him in every avenue, in every area, in every contact of our life and of his great creation. Well, the whole 48th chapter is the climax here. Magnificent climax. Verse 14, look at that one. All ye assemble yourselves and hear, hear, which among them hath declared these things. The Lord hath loved him. He will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arms shall be on the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken, yea, I have called him, I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me, hear ye this, 
I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was. There am I. And now the Lord called his spirit has sent me. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer at this point, beloved, you have nothing more here than the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to Israel. Here he is, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldest go. O thou that hast hearkened unto my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Beloved, there's one task for you and me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. That's the emphasis, and you find it here as God appeals to Israel. All right, let's leave the 48th chapter, and will you turn over to the 58th chapter? The 58th chapter. And in the 58th chapter, we have this same tremendous note of judgment, verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob her sins. God saying, I need prophets, I need men who will deal with these things. Turn please to the latter part of that 58th chapter, notice verse 13. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of what? Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Beloved, I see our Christians all around us just desecrating the Sabbath day. Just desecrating it on right and left, on every hand. And God is saying, Israel, your sin extendeth unto the wickedness in which you observe the day of rest and worship which I have appointed to you. And it's in these areas, ladies, that we need to have some sermons. We need to have some ministry. We need to have some preaching. We need to get into this element of family life, family prayers, family altars, and the teaching of the Bible to the children in the homes. All of this needs to be emphasized if we're going to carry the generation that's with us and the one that follows us along in these great standards that we will have the blessing of God rather than have his face turned from us. Well, you keep on going, and you get clear all the way through Isaiah. But you know, right in the heart of Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, the 53rd chapter, what do you find? The prophet is saying, behold, ho, lo. He's announcing that in the midst of their iniquity and in the presence of the purposes of God, that God is going to bring a root out of a dry ground, a virgin birth. He's going to bring one who will bear their sins fully for them, and the Lord will lay this iniquity upon them, and then they shall be redeemed and they shall be his people. And today in 1967, it's this root, this babe of Bethlehem, in, wh which, in whom you and I trust. We believe in him with all our hearts. And as I hear the carols, we hear them on every side, and I think of the men that call them myths. What folly! 
I think of the men who say they're symbols, how they're deluded. I think of the men that just can't believe them. And then I think of my own soul and my own heart where I believe round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant, so holy and mild. And you sing these carols and they have enshrined in them the everlasting truth as it's been revealed to us by the God of Jacob. And this one who's to reign over the house of Jacob, beloved, sits at the right hand of the Father. And when he comes, when he comes, as he has announced he will, he will be revealed to the house of Jacob. And they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. A nation shall be born in a day. And Jesus Christ shall be owned and honored as all that God said that he would be to Jacob and to his people. Beloved, do you believe these things? Do you love these things? Is this what Christmas means to you? Or is it just a lot of tinsel and a lot of hard work and a lot of cooking of pies and cakes and eating too much candy? Is that all it is? No, beloved, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And this goes back to the Jacob who wrestled with God. And Jacob says, I won't turn loose of you until you bless me. And let's have the blessing of God because in the inner recess of our soul we are his we trust his son and we are here to serve him to live for him to suffer for him and to glorify his name amen our father bless the message oh we thank thee for the preaching of the gospel that it is our great delight Bless us in this Christmas, and may we search our hearts and know that Christ dwells in them and that we would do his bidding. For Christ's sake, amen.